And welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I'm so glad that you could be here with us today. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Graham. I'm the teaching pastor here at Elam Chapel. And we are introducing ourselves with pictures of our pets today. I have two cats. You can't really see both of them because the, the contrast is a little bit rough. Oh, it's better on this screen. But uh, this is Mitzi. We've, our cats are sisters. We have two cats. We got them at the same time. We got them about five months after we were married. And uh, so they are 11. This is Gracie. She is very tolerant. <laughs> she puts up with me. Uh, just kidding. I'm her favorite person in the whole world. But uh, yeah, our cats are Mitzi and Gracie, and we have lots of fun with them. And uh, Charlotte is just crazy about them. We have lots of fun. Um, so we are doing our Proverbs series, and I'm excited to share with you that. Um, did you still want to come up, bud? Okay. Here, tell you what. My son wanted to help me preach the message today, which is just delightful. So I thought I would bring you over a stool. Here, let's get you up here. This is Luke, in case anyone hasn't met. So let's pray, and then we'll get into the word for today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for church. Thank you that we could be together. Thank you for summer. Thank you for family, for all of the fun that we get to have. We pray that you would be with us this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts to receive from you, open our minds to be transformed, that we would leave more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. So today we are looking at the book of Proverbs on the topic of wise speech. Proverbs, and the Bible more broadly, has many things to say about the words that we use and the way that we choose to use our words. But I want to offer a quick reminder about what Proverbs has to say about where wisdom in general comes from. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6 says, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It is in God that all wisdom finds its source. And I want to bring this up because it's so easy with a hyper-practical series like Proverbs to sometimes feel like we're getting into self-help territory. But that's not true. We aren't helping ourselves. We are getting closer to God, and God helps us. Now, God is the source of wisdom generally, but we could get more specific and onto today's topic and say that God is also the source of wise speech. So let's ask ourselves, how does God use His words? Look at what the Bible has to say about God's words. The Bible says in Psalm 119 that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God's words are living and active. According to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it accomplishes what God sends it out to do. According to Isaiah 55, 11, it is truth. John 17, 17. It is what sustains us more even than food, according to Matthew 4, 4. And in Isaiah 40, verse 8, God's word stands forever. So we ask ourselves, does the way that we speak reflect God's word? Are we proper witnesses to the power of God and how we choose to use our tongues? And that feels like a lot. Like, isn't that kind of blowing this out of proportion? 
I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of the time I don't give enough thought to how I speak. Not that I don't give thought to how I speak, especially when I'm doing something important, like a confrontation or doing a teaching, but like all the time. Heidi Lahotsky came to board game night this past week, which I just loved. Hi, Heidi. And uh, she said, hi, Pastor Graham. And I said, hi, I'm so glad that you're here. And I said, but one rule. On board game night, I'm not Pastor Graham. I'm just Graham. And she said, what, are you too good to be a pastor on board game night? And I said, no, quite the opposite. I think our culture is a lot more accustomed to a proverb like, talk is cheap, and the idea that words carry less meaning than action. Another cultural proverb along those lines, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Totally untrue, right? Totally untrue. Words can and absolutely do hurt. In fact, there's a verse in Proverbs to exactly that effect. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So we need to take what we say seriously. Proverbs has a ton to say on the subject of our speech, and I was honestly overwhelmed preparing this message by how many verses there are in Proverbs on this topic. So rather than spend our entire time together just reading passages, here's a selection of 10. Proverbs 10:19: sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Proverbs 12:6: the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Proverbs 12, 19, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Proverbs 12, two, or 13, 2 and 3, from the fruit of their lips, people enjoy good things, but the unfaithful have an appetite for violence. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. 15.7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of the fools are not upright. 15.28, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. I hope you're taking seriously the challenge to read a chapter of Proverbs each day on the date corresponding with the date, right? Proverbs has 31 chapters. There's at most 31 days in a month. You can read the chapter of Proverbs corresponding to today's date, and you can just keep doing this over and over again. There's so much to learn. There's so much to learn and to read and be thinking about, and it's so practical. But this isn't a topic that is limited to Proverbs. The book of James has a passage talking about the tongue and how we use it and the great danger that it poses. Let's read that and remind ourselves. James 3, verses 12, 2 to 12. <coughs> Sorry, I'm still fighting that cough. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, 
They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire, for great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says something important about controlling speech that I want to highlight. He tells us that this is going to be a long fight. This isn't going to be over quickly. In fact, I would suggest that James is telling us that we are not going to win this fight on this side of heaven. So get used to the taste of leather. You stick your foot in your mouth. Which is not to say that we can't or shouldn't make progress in this area, but it is an important perspective. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And no one is perfect, ergo, but it still matters. This is important, and it's something that we need to be working on. Jesus also had plenty to say on this topic. One time when he was in conflict with the Pharisees over the Jewish food laws, he had this to say in Matthew 15, 11, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. It's what comes out of their mouth that defiles them. Jesus is making this connection between what comes out of our mouths, the words that we use, the way that we speak to one another, and the content of our hearts. They say that the eyes are the window to the soul. I suggest that it might actually be more accurate to say that the voice is the window to the soul. It's the words that we use, the way that we speak, and what we choose to say that really reveals where our hearts are at. <coughs> Several of the Proverbs that we read earlier make this connection between the heart and the tongue as well. But Jesus has more to say. Matthew 12, 33 to 37. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers! How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So what can we conclude from this? Wise speech doesn't begin with the tongue. It begins with the heart. And changing your heart, that's the whole game, right? Like, that's the whole point of this Christian life. It's taking hold of the promise that God made when he told us that he would take our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh. When he promised that he would shape us into the image of his son, that he would sanctify us, that he would make us holy. 
And that's a much bigger project than we can cover in the one message today. But we can talk about some practices that we can engage in to help the process. And maybe we can discuss some principles to help us guide our actions and our words. The first practice is a spiritual one, and that is to be regularly in communion with God through prayer and worship and reading your Bible. That is the core issue. The more time that we spend with God, the more that we submit ourselves to His correction and allow ourselves to be conformed to the image of the Son, the more wise we will be in our speech, the more we will be in control of our mouths, and we will use them to bless and not to curse. This is so important. This is like the main thing. But it's also, it's kind of a long-term solution, right? And we want the long-term solution. That's good. That's important. But we would also like it if we could make some progress right now. Agreed? Nod. Tell me you're still awake. All right, good. Which brings us to our second set of disciplines that we can work on. The idea is this. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. And this comes directly from James chapter 1, verse 19. I'm going to put it another way that will perhaps make it more obvious what this means. Think about an action movie. Just about any action movie. I'm going to pick one, though. Did you see the fifth element? This is the one that popped into my head when I was thinking about this. The fifth element was a 1997 science fiction movie starring Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, Multipass. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Okay, it's, it's very fun. Bruce Willis plays Corbin Dallas. He's the hero of the movie. He's shooting the bad guys. He's rescuing the girl. He's doing that annoyed Bruce Willis face that he does so well through so much of the movie. And at one point, he meets Ruby Rod, who is played by Chris Tucker. And Ruby Rod is... Well, he's a radio host. He's a radio host on, on talk radio because that's what they thought the future would look like at that point. But he's, he is a, he's Chris Tucker. So he doesn't just meet Corbin Dallas. He meets Corbin Dallas! And, and when the bad guys start shooting, he shrieks and he begs to be protected. He says, Corbin, Corbin, my man, Corbin, Corbin, my man, Corbin, Corbin, save me. And his mouth is just going all, all the time. One of these two characters is slow to speak and quick to listen, and the other is a fool, right? One of those characters we look at and we go, I want to be like that guy. And the other one we go, he's funny, but I don't, I don't want to be like that guy. Honestly, this works for just about any movie. And there's a word for these heroes. This word is laconic. It usually means that they don't say much that they're very intentional with their words. And they're also usually highly alert and engaged, even though they're not saying. John Wayne. John Wayne is a perfect example. Most of us could afford to be more like John Wayne. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So, be more like John Wayne, I guess. But those were our practices. What about some principles? Are there some principles that we can use to help guide our speech too? One principle that I want to share on this topic is to remind you all that the goal is goodness, not niceness. This is one of my personal pet peeves. 
Because it is very tempting to conflate the two. We tend to think that proper Christian speech is soft and kind and gentle, and that's true to a certain degree. But the problem is that this type of speech also often lends itself to the type of person who never stands up for anything. Jesus is our perfect example of proper Christian speech. I hope. I think. Do we agree? Yeah, Jesus. Jesus said some pretty harsh things. Jesus chewed out the disciples when they refused to get with the program. <coughs> we already read where he referred to the religious leaders as a brood of vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs, being full of rotten decay, but made to look nice on the outside. He called people hypocrites. He told the religious people that they were sons of their father, the devil. Goodness is not niceness. Goodness has a backbone of steel that uses the words that God gave us to protect and defend and stand up for what's right. So just remember that when you ask, what would Jesus do? Remind yourself and others that flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip is in the realm of options. That falls into the category of goodness. The last principle that I want to share with you about wise speech is to remember that our words have the power to hurt and they also have the power to heal. We read Proverbs already to this effect about how our words have the ability to inflame conflict or to tamp it down. How we can use our words to build people up or tear them down. So we be careful, we're thoughtful, be generous with your praise and guarded with your complaints. I mentioned earlier being more like Bruce Willis or John Wayne being stoic, laconic, and thoughtful. But when it comes to giving praise, I want you to be more like Ruby Rod. Kindness changes everything. I don't mean get weird with strangers, but like the people in your life, those close relationships. We could probably do to say some nice things to each other a little more often because a good word in the right season can make all the difference. To that effect, I want to share one last story, and then we'll close. A man was going through a rough patch in his marriage, so after work, he decided to pay a visit to his pastor. It seems like my wife is always angry at me. What should I do? <coughs> the pastor replied, you should spend some more time with your wife. Appreciate her role in your life. Find some nice things to say, like complimenting her dress or her cooking. The man thought this was good advice. All right, I'll give that a shot. He went home, and he found dinner ready and his wife waiting for him. As they're eating, he decides to take this advice, and he says, darling, this food is great today. And to his great shock, she is furious. She stands up, she points at him across the table, and she says, 21 years we've been married, and you've never appreciated my cooking, and the one day I get food from the neighbors, you like it? <laughs> Let's be wise with our speech. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to tame this beast that is our tongues. Help us to praise you always. Help us to bless others. Help us to be more like you as we go throughout our weeks. Thank you for our time together, Lord. Thank you. We pray that this word would go into our hearts and that it would affect great transformation in our lives. We love you, Father. We praise you. We want to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.